This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Let's get into God's Word tonight. If you have uh, been keeping up with the show, um, great. If not, you can go back to the YouTube channel and get caught up on, we've been talking about inflated faith several I guess a couple months ago, maybe the 1st of July, I was in California and, uh, you know, diesel was $6.99 up on the billboard. And of course, I thought inflation and just up in my heart, the Lord says, I want my people to inflate their faith because inflated faith brings inflated results. So think about that. Inflated faith brings inflated results. So what is my job? How do I inflate my faith? You know, whenever we come into the family of God, Romans 12, 3 says that each one of us are dealt the measure of faith. And then Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now listen to the definition of inflate. It's on your notes there. It means to fill, to blow up, filled, increase something by large or excessive amount magnify, to pump up, to boost. To deflate means to let the air out, to cause someone to suddenly lose confidence or to feel less important. And isn't that the tactic of the enemy, that he wants us to lose confidence in the faithfulness of God? He wants us to lose confidence in one another. He wants us to lose confidence in what God's promised. But that's not going to happen to us. Say that. That's not going to happen to me. But that's what God is saying. Regardless of what is going on in the world, inflated faith will bring inflated results. But I've got my part to play in order for God's super to come up on my natural. And so we read Romans 4, verses 19 through 21, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And so we see how Abraham positioned himself to inflate his faith. He said he did not focus on what he saw in the natural, but he focused on what God had promised him, and he filled his faith. He magnified the character and nature of God to the point that he became fully convinced, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to do it. And so I've got to ask myself, how persuaded am I? How confident am I that God will do what He said He would do? How confident am I that no matter how high fuel goes, that my God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus? How confident am I that no matter what I face upon this earth, my God is going to take care of me? Inflated faith brings inflated results. And then we talked about the importance to inflate our faith. It's going to be connected to the way we think. Because it takes faith thoughts to get down into our heart to bring our faith up and for us to act upon it. So faith thoughts is connected to inflated faith. We, we read in Romans 8, 6 where, you know, to be carnally minded is, to, is death, which means separation from God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the way that I think is either moving me closer to the plan of God for my life, or the way I think it's moving me farther from the plan of God for my life. So am I thinking 
in alignment with God's word. Second Timothy 1 7 says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. Sound mind in the Greek means a saved mind. How does a saved mind think? A saved mind thinks like a winner. A saved mind thinks like a healed person. A saved mind thinks like a blessed person. A saved mind thinks like a restored person. A saved mind. Now, we're all a work in progress, right? We're all learning. And the good thing is we can grow and we're planning on growing tonight. We're just not going to come through this service on the way to going to bed. We're going to come and we're going to learn. And so how am I thinking? Am I thinking like an overcomer? Am I thinking like more than a conqueror? Am I thinking like a child of the Most High God? How am I thinking because the way that I think is going to determine the way that I live. And then we saw how inflated faith always advances. Say it, it always advances. Inflated faith always advances. There's no way that I can truly be in the presence of God and be acting on what God's telling me and sit still at the same time. Inflated faith always advances. It is always progressing. It is always moving forward. And we read here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We are not of those who draw back. Inflated faith always advances. Say that with me. Inflated faith always advances. What God has for us is not behind us. It's in front of us. It's in front of us. And that's when, when, when we're inflating our faith, we're filling our faith, we're magnifying the character and nature of God. Inflated faith will bring inflated results, which will bring progression in my life. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says when we receive the engrafted Word of God and we do it, then we're blessed in our doing. We're blessed. Blessed means empowered to move forward. So I've got to ask, how am I doing? Say that, how am I doing? And tonight, I want us to talk about inflated faith says what God says. Inflated faith says what God says. Am I saying what God is saying about my finances? Am I saying what God is saying about my family? Am I saying about what, what God is saying about every area of my life? Inflated faith says what God says. James chapter 3. Verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now let's pause there for a moment. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now once again, we're all a work in progress. Notice how he says that we all stumble in many things. Has anybody ever stumbled in here before? <laughs> Every one of us, right? But then he says, If anyone does not stumble in word... He is a perfect man. Now, I, I want you to really listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says that when I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. An indicator of my spiritual maturity is revealed by my words. 
You can go to church for 30 years, but if you talk sickness, you talk lack, you talk defeat, you talk down and out, that's just an indicator that you go to church, but you're really not doing what the Bible says. I know that's a strong word. Words reveal spiritual maturity. Inflated faith says what God says. You can be around somebody for a few minutes and you can really, not in church, because we put on our church face and, oh, bless the Lord, hallelujah, brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I, you know, and we talk positive for this hour. <laughs> but what are you saying about your bills when nobody's around? What are you saying about yourself when nobody's around? What are you saying? Inflated faith says what God says. Say it. It says what God says. Let's keep going in James chapter 3, and it says, a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire, Kindles. So notice he says, okay, just like the bit in the horse's mouth, it turns the body. He says, just like the little bitty rudder on, that goes on the bottom of a big ship and it's facing all these intense winds, it says that little rudder, if it keeps turning, it's going to turn the whole ship. He says, our tongue is the same way. If we want to turn things around, he says, it's going to be connected to the way you talk. If you want to turn your physical body around, it's going to be determined by the way you talk. If you want to turn your finances around, it's going to be determined by the way you talk. If we want to turn our life around, it's going to be determined by the way we talk. Just like a bit, just like a rudder. Then he goes on and he says, then our tongue is even just like a, a little spark that just ignites the whole force. I mean, you think about somebody just flicks a cigarette out going down the road, and the next thing you know, 500 acres go up in smoke. He says, that's the power of your tongue. This isn't in your notes, but I just want to read this to you. Proverbs chapter 6, you can write this down, look at it in your own time. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2, it says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Snared means to be caught. It says you're snared not by your boss. You're snared not by the economy. He says you're snared, you're caught, you're put in a trap by the words of whose mouth? Now, either we believe this or we don't believe this. And a lot of times, oh yeah, I've heard about the power of your words and everything. Well, how are we doing? And so, so what do you do whenever you do say something? You get mad and you say something that you shouldn't say or you talk about your body or your finances or your family or something. It's no different than any other sin. You ask God to forgive you. You receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus and you command the power of those words to go void. Revelations 12 verses 10 and 11 says, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of whose testimony? Our testimony. So our words either snare us, they catch us, they hurt us, or they help us. Are your words in alignment with what God is saying? And just like any, like I said, receive forgiveness and let's go forward tonight. Because we've all said stuff we shouldn't have said at some point in time in our life, but we can get better at this. Say it, I can get better. We can lift our game in this area. We can grow to the point. What if 
all that came out of our mouth is what God said. We can grow to that point. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Ephesians 5 1 says, be imitators of God as dear children. We can grow to the point where we can control our tongue with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we can say what God says about our life and get the results that God promised about our life. It's not up to God whether we get results or not. It's up to what we do with what God tells us. Proverbs chapter 13. You can write this down. Listen to this. Verses 2 and verse 3. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. <laughs> we're either going to keep our life by our mouth or we're going to have wide lips. Maybe, maybe you could have be some... Uh, if that was wrote today, maybe they would say you're going to have injected lips. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you just thought that was a wide lip statement right there, wasn't it? So, so you think about it. So have faith buddies that if they say something wrong, could we ask each other, hey, uh, wide lips, how you doing? And little things like that. Sometimes we'll be around and we'll be talking about something. Somebody said, we'll just say, if you say so. And it makes you think about the power of your words. So, so let's go to, to Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. This is, this is in, in your notes here. And you think about if we can turn a ship with a, with, with, with a rudder, he says you can turn your life with your words. If you can turn a horse with a bit, you can turn your life with your words. What's the key to turning our life around? Our words, inflated face says what God says. I remember, you know, growing up and stuff, we just, I didn't eat a lot of vegetables and everything, but when I gave my life to the Lord, I just wanted to, wanted to do better in every area of life. It's just the nature and character of God. So I'd, I begin to say, if it's good for me, I like it. I didn't like salad in the natural, but I begin to say, if it's good for me, I like it. I haven't found any health benefit. Maybe you could help me out, Cliff, as far as onions. So I still don't like onions. I just haven't changed my confession. I haven't found any health benefit. I like onion rings, but, <laughs> but when it comes to vegetables and fruit and stuff, if it's good for me, I like it. If it's stuff that I've never eaten before and Heather serves it to me and she says, what are you going to like? I say, if it's good for me, I like it. Say it, if it's good for me, I like it. And you know what I begin? Now I like salads. Now I like vegetables. Now I like fruit. If it's good for me, I like it. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In the Amplified Classic, it says, A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. And with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or for life. So he's saying, what's the indicator that our life is going to be filled with good things? It's going to have to do with our words. Inflated faith says what God says. The power of life and death is where? In the tongue. Do I really believe that? An indicator that I really believe it is that I'm, I'm doing it. 
Once again, we're all a work in progress, right? We inflate our faith. The more we fill our heart, the more we fill our eyes, the more we fill our ears, the more we can control our tongue, the more things will turn around in our life. Say it. Things are turning around. I, you know, I, I dipped snuff and stuff for probably 18 years uh, whenever I was growing up and everything. But once again, when I gave my life to the Lord, I just wanted to get free. I'd, I could talk about a lot of different things that this principle worked for. But I started saying, when I discovered the power of life and death is in the tongue, I started saying that even while I was dipping snuff, I would say, thank you, Lord, that I'm free. And I'd stick a dip of snuff in. Thank you, Lord, I'm free. And you feel strange when you're doing that. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, right, you're lying. You're not free. You're sitting here, you know. You know, you'd throw the can out and you'd crawl around in the bar ditch because I didn't have any money at the time. So, I mean, I, you know, I'd make a can of snuff, even though you dip in a whole can a day, you'd... I won't even tell you what you do, but I mean, you know, when you're addicted to stuff, you do dumb stuff. And so, you know, and then I quit dipping. I got free and then I was smoking. And so when I was smoking, okay, thank you, Lord, that I'm free. Thank you, Lord, that I'm free. Thank you, Lord, that I'm free. The power of life and death is in the tongue and a man is satisfied by what comes out of his mouth. I'm either held in bondage by my words or I'm set free by my words. And there came a point because I kept calling things that be not as though they were, that there came a time that my desires shifted, my saliva glands changed, my taste buds changed, the chemicals in my body physically changed from changing the words that came out of my mouth. And the next thing I know, I was completely free. Never would have got there if I'd have kept saying, I mean, I'll never, I'll never get free from this. I mean, I'll never, I did it for 18 years, I'll never, I mean, I was an addict, always an addict. Now, don't get me, don't get your feelings hurt, no, no ugly letters or anything. You go down and you continue to say, I'm an addict, once an addict, always an addict. You're claiming that and you'll never walk in freedom. That's a great step to admit it, but then quit it. And start calling things that be not as though they were. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, 18. It says, as it is written, this is talking about Abraham, the father of many nations. He says, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believes so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Notice he says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. There are certain things that God has made us, but it's up to us whether we believe it or not. He says, I've made you free. I've made you delivered. I've made you holy. I've made you righteous. I've made you victorious, but it's up to us whether we believe it or not. So Abraham, in the presence of God, whom he chose, I'm going to believe God. It's a choice. Faith is a choice, right? Nobody can make you believe. Mom and dad can't make you believe. I can't make you believe. You can't make me believe. Faith is a choice. Abraham chose to believe God in his presence when he said, I have made you a father of many nations. And he goes on, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Even when Abram did not have a child, God called him the father of many nations. Even when Sarah did not have a child, he called him father of many nations. He called those things which did not exist as though they did exist. For example, you know, Heather has this little puppy. Her name's Joy. She's a little white dog and everything. And I don't get up and go, you know, let's just say it's time for her to come in or something. And I don't go to the door. And if she's not there, I just look around and say, oh, 
She's not here. She's not here. What, what do you do if the dog's not there? What do you do? You call them, right? You, you call them. But a lot of Christian people say, I don't believe in that calling things that be not as though they were. You know, I just tell it like it is. I mean, if the dog's not there, bless God, the dog's not there. And I'm just going to trust in God some mysterious way that God has. The dog will just show up. No, if the dog's not there, what do you do? You call it. You go out to feed the horses. Horses aren't there. What do you do? You call them, right? If, if your physical body is out of alignment, what do you do to walk in health and healing? You call it. I'm telling you what, these stupid feet, I'm telling you, I'm, you know, bless God, I just don't know if this body's ever going to make it. I mean, you get past 40, everything just starts going downhill. If you say so, if your body's not functioning, call it functioning. Kidneys function, heart function, eyes function, ears function, body function. If it's not there, you call it. I did this when I won the Rookie of the Year in 2000 at the very beginning of the year. Uh, sports news would come in and I would write my name at the top of the rookie of the year in the standings there and I would call myself I'm the rookie of the year 2000 all year long I had faith buddies that would call me and they wouldn't they wouldn't call and say hey Trey how's it going they say how's it going rookie of the year I say I'm doing just fine thank you all year long I called myself I put in the work in the natural but I called myself you call things that be not as though they were you heard me tell this story when I was believing God for Heather you know I I talked to the Lord yeah I don't know how you talking but I talked to him Lord you know what I like and you know how I'm designed I, and I would I would call things and I'd go to Starbucks and I'd order a tall blonde every day and I'd drink my tall blonde and I'd just say thank you Lord for my tall blonde she loves God, loves me, honors God, honors me, respects God, respects me. Thank you, Lord. And guess what? I got a tall blonde. I don't, I don't have to order it anymore. I got it. <laughs> you think it's funny, but it's a principle. Call things that be not as though it were. When I was dipping, I called myself free. When I was smoking, I called myself free. When I was addicted to this and that, and I'd call myself free. I didn't just wonder, well, bless God, if it's just the way it is, I'm just going to call it like it is. How's that working for you? Well, bless God, I look at my bank account, and there's just nothing in there. Never going to be anything. I mean, you're just like holes all in it. It's like the money comes in, it just goes out everywhere. If you say so. See, your words have more power in your life than anybody else's. Even God's. It's a very strong statement, but I want you to think. God says you're cleansed. God says you're forgiven. God says that you're designed to have a relationship with Him. But if you say, I'm not cleansed. If you say, I'm not forgiven. If you say, Jesus is not my Lord, will it still happen in your life? Will you still spend eternity with God? Not because it wasn't God's will, but because of the words of your mouth. You never confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, even though it was God's will. God says you're victorious. What do you say? God says you're more than a conqueror. What do you say? God says you're blessed coming in and going out. What do you say? God says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What do you say? God says you can do all things to Christ who gives you strength. What do you say? Inflated faith says what God says. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. 
Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Now, so he said, whoever confesses me, stay with me here, whoever confesses me before men. So who's doing the confessing? We are, right? Whoever confesses me before men, him, this is Jesus talking, he says, him, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. So does what I say down here affect what he says up there? Talk to me. Okay. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So if I deny him down here, does it affect what Jesus is able to say up there? Our words have more power in our life than anybody else's words, even God's. What we say determines what he says. His desire is that we say what he says so he can do what he says. But if we won't say what he says, he'll never be able to do what he says he wants to do in our life. A lot of times people think God's word will just come to pass, and it's not true. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, I'm not willing that any person should perish, but are there people perishing by the hundreds of thousands every single day? Not because it's God's will, but it's determined by what they say. He says, when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will be saved. So if you don't confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you be saved? It's a spiritual principle. We believe in our heart and we declare with our mouth unto salvation. Salvation means healing, provision, soundness, protection. So when, when God says, stay with me here. When God says we're healed, what should we say? We're healed. When God says we're forgiven, what should we say? We're forgiven. When God says we're blessed, what should we say? Even when there's nothing telling us that in the natural. God says we're redeemed. God says we're restored. God says we're victorious. Inflated faith says what? What God says. Inflated faith says what God says. Inflated faith says what God says. Now listen to this. So, so do you think God hears what we say? Ezekiel 35, verses 12 through 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all your blasphemies which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying they are desolate. They are given to us to consume. Thus with, our, with your mouth... You have boasted against me and multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. I have heard them. Do you think God still hears what we say? Now, do we talk like we really believe he hears what we say? But we can come up, can't we? Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept your ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. See, he's saying, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. And what you're saying is wearing me out. 
Not physically. God doesn't physically get tired, but he's saying, I've had enough of listening to you say what you say, because I can only do what you say. So when you're saying things that are contradictory to what I've said, I can't do in your life what I want to do, and it's not my fault. I can't do any more than what you say. Remember in Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? They said, well, one says Jeremiah, another says, you know, John the Baptist, another says one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say, who do you say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. He says, well, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven, who do you say? See, if, if he wants to be our protector, the only way it can manifest in the natural is we've got to say it. Psalms 91, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my high tower. I will say that a thousand may fall at my right, right hand, 10,000 at my right hand, and it will not come near. Say, if you want him to protect, you've got to say he's my protector. If you want him to be your healer, you've got to say that he's your healer. If you want him to be your provider, you've got to say that he is your provider. He can't go any further in our life than what we have the guts to say. Inflated faith says what God says. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Page 4 of your notes, I believe. It says, Therefore, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Confession means to say the same thing as... He says, therefore, holy brother, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus can only be the high priest when we're saying, I mean, he is the high priest, but he can only be the high priest of what we say. So if we want God's will to be done on earth just like it is in heaven, it's not up to God, it's up to us. What am I willing to say? Because when I say what God says, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of my confession, saying the same thing. We think confession is just going before a priest or something and confessing all of our sins. Confessing, one definition means to admit it, but right here, confession means to say the same thing. So the more consistent I get on saying the same thing that God says over my horses, over my body, over my finances, over my family, the more His will goes into motion on earth just like it is in heaven. But if I'm speaking against what God has promised, will it ever show up in my life? Even though God wants it to show up in our life. Let's keep going. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Confession means to say the same thing as let us hold fast. He's saying be consistent. Remember the rudder, just like on the ship, it doesn't turn around overnight. But if you keep turning it and keep turning it, no matter how intense the wind is, no matter how intense the waves are, we keep turning it. We will turn it around by our tongue, just like that rudder turns the ship. How do we turn things around? By the words coming out of our mouth. Inflated faith says what God says. Inflated faith does what? 
says what well, it says the same thing that God is saying and the more consent when I hold on to it when I lay hold of it and regardless of what it looks like in the natural I'm going to keep saying what God says I'm going to keep speaking to my finances I'm going to keep speaking to my body I'm going to keep speaking to my family I'm going to say the same thing that God says and Jesus says I will make sure it comes to pass in your life inflated faith says what God says Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 he says, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it for he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. We could go on and on with scriptures. Does what we say matters? Does what we say matter? We can come up in this area, right? Exodus chapter 14. This is on page 5, I believe. Exodus 14, verses 10 through 12. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because we, there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you? We told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So I want you to notice something. These are God's people. God had given them the word. I want you to go to the good land, a land that flows with milk and honey. I've given you the word. This is what I say about I want all of you to walk out of deliverance from Pharaoh, from the enemy, and I want you to go to the good land. But as soon as pressure came on, their mind went back. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. I mean, I even hate to say it. just irritates me even hearing it come out of my mouth. But when pressure came on, their words did not line up with what God said. I want you to see this. This is very important. It's going to be a determining factor whether they go into the promised land or whether they don't. Not because it's whether it's God's will or not. God already showed him, this is my will. I want you to go to the promised land. Pressure would come on. The devil is not going to lay down and let us just waltz into the promised land and take back everything Satan has stolen from people and just think, well, y'all just go right ahead. Uh-uh. So that's why it's important. Inflated faith says what God says. What does it say? What God says. Inflated faith says what God says. If I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go and do everything I'm created to do and become who I'm called and created to be, I'm going to have to get my mouth in alignment with what God has promised me. Because when pressure comes, and it will come, will we be tempted to say what we see? Will we be tempted to talk about what we don't have? Will we be tempted to talk about all the aches and pains and bruises and how hard it is? Will we be tempted? Yes, we will be. And if we let it come out of our mouth, we receive forgiveness, command it to go void, and get right back saying what God says. Inflated faith says what God says. Now go to Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died. Here they go again. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now remember, pressure came on. Where does their mind go? Where does their heart go? Where does their mouth go? They start talking about the good old 
days. Oh, I remember we were sitting by the pots and we had all the meat. One translation said, oh, the cucumbers, oh, the melons. They didn't realize that just a few miles ahead of them was the promised land. But when pressure came on, they started thinking back, they started talking back, oh, and they started releasing their faith to go back. Remember, what God has is in front of us, it is not behind us. God is always moving forward. Inflated faith always advances, and what God has is better in front of us. That is the character and nature of God. It's better. Say it. It's better. It's better in front of me than behind me. Faith does not go back. Faith goes forward. It goes forward. I don't care what you've been through, where you've gone through. It's better. Say it. It's better ahead of us than behind us. Inflated faith goes forward. Let's keep going. And so you see, okay, so, so they were in Egypt. Stay with me here. They were in Egypt. They went through the wilderness, and only by the mercy of God, now they're up to the border. And God has been trying to get them to say what He says the whole time. Pressure would come on. They'd complain, gripe God in His mercy. He would bring manna, manna down from heaven. He would fly quail in, be a fire by day, cloud by night, get water out of a rock. And I'm not talking about just a little trickle, just... <laughs> where they're sucking. No, I'm talking fire hydrant. You know, Psalm says that the rivers float, fed millions of people plus their animals. So this wasn't a little trickle. This is flowing. I mean, and God has done them, and He's just wanting them. He's just wanting them just to get it. Just like He works with us. I mean, He is patient. He is kind. But remember, there comes a time that He says, okay, you're wearing me out by what's coming out of your mouth. I've had enough of what you're saying. I can only go as far as what you'll say. That's the way He set up His covenant upon the earth, that He has to find people who are willing to say. When you look at the Hebrew, it says that we are speaking spirits made in the image and likeness of God. So God in His mercy, they get from Egypt through the wilderness. He's like, come on, guys, you know, come on. I know you're going to get it. Come on now. So they're at the border, okay? Numbers 13, verse 25 through 29. Stay with me here. And they returned. So Moses sent them out, 12 spies. You know the story. Sent them out, 12 spies, to look at the good land and everything, and they come back. And now they return from spying out the land after 40 days. Now, 40, 40 represents grace in the Bible. I mean, God was so merciful and so gracious. He gave them time to get their mind right, their heart, just like He does you and I. He's so gracious, so merciful, but He wants us to grow up. Because when we can grow up, then we can come up. And, 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 and this, is, this is what God's wanting to do. God is wanting to increase His power upon the earth, but if He turned up the power on everything you said right now, you know what? It would not look very good. Right? <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, people driving down the road, idiot. I mean, God, this flips out, you know. <laughs> what if God turned His power up on the words that come out of your mouth right now? But see, this, this has to happen before Jesus' return, that the increase of power has to take place. And apparently, we're ready for this message, or we wouldn't be talking about this tonight. Say it, I'm ready. God's wanting to turn up the power, and inflated faith says what God says. So here they come. They return from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word. 
to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So all 12 of them come back, and they said, God, just like you said it, that's the way that it was. Keep going. Nevertheless... The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people before they are stronger than us. Now, so you have 12 people. Now, now, now these are millions of people that God is wanting to get over to the promised land. Sends the 12 spies. 12 of them come back and they all agree. Yes, God is true and what he said is true. Just like our churches today. Yes, God is true and what he said is true. But 10 says, but... We are not able. Even though God said we're able, you see the size of those giants? We're not able. You see the size of the city? We're not able. Ten said we're not able. Two said we are well able. Pause. What group are you in? When it comes to your destiny, are you of the ten that's always looking at what you don't have? Are you of the ten that's saying it's too impossible, what you don't, the, the, the walls are too big, the cities are too big, the giants are too big, or are you of the two that says we are well able? As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. All things are possible to me because I do believe. Which camp are you in, the ten or the two? Let's keep going. Remember, inflated faith does what? Says what God says. Verse 32 and 33, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devoured its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight." Not so. They were not, they were not like grasshoppers. God had already gone before them just like He's already gone before you and I. And whatever He is telling us to do, it says their defense was taken from them. But because they said, they spoke against what God had said, it hindered them from going in and possessing the promised land. Only two out of millions, got to go in. Because only two were willing to say what God said. You can keep reading in your own time, Numbers 14, and you see the people there crying and moaning and they're griping and they're tearing their clothes. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Remember, they're going back. There's, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. They just keep talking fear, doubt, unbelief. There's no way. It's impossible. We're going to die. Remember, God is listening to what we're saying. And then you go on, verses 6 through 9, and Joshua and Caleb, they just try to calm the people down and try to remind them, listen, God's already gone before us, and if God's for us, it, 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 God's going to help us. God's going to help us possess the land. And I mean, because see, faith irritates unbelief. And unbelief will be irritated by faith. People that are real religious, 
They don't like your smiling face popping in there talking about what God's going to do. God's going to get us through. God's going to provide. God's going to heal. God's going to deliver. Most churches don't like that talk. I've been asked to come, not to come back because I was too positive. I know, forget it. I mean, preach healings, miracles, signs breaking out. I mean, this is just the power of God showed up in this place. And I get done preaching, and I walk back, and the whole board members, I'm so thankful that Jesus was not led by the board, but he was led by the Spirit. And all the board sitting around, they said, well, man, that, that service was interesting. I said, yeah, all the people saved and all the healings and miracles. I said, man, isn't God good? Yeah, but, you know, we don't really believe that God wants to do that all the time for everybody. So we won't be asking you back. And man, do you think that God was saying, yeah, that's right. Johnson, you better get a hold of yourself. I mean, that's a little extreme. I mean, those blind eyes open right up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's some power. I mean, inflated faith says what God says in order for what God says to come to pass. Just because God is saying it doesn't mean it can happen in my life if I'm not in agreement with what God says. If I'm more in agreement with religion than I am the Bible, the Bible will never show up, but I will live in my religion and be comfortable my whole life, never growing and never going anywhere. But if I want to grow, I'm going to have, if I want to see the power of God, if I want to walk in the miracles, if I want to walk, if I want God to turn it up, then inflated faith says what God says, even when nobody else likes how you're talking. Inflated faith says what God says. And it keeps going. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? And all the signs which I had performed among them. And you keep reading on your own time. You get down to verse 20. And, and so the Lord had enough. <laughs> and he tells them, Listen, what's, what you've been talking is what's going to happen. You've been talking about dying in the wilderness. Guess what? You have what you say. You're not going over. You're dying in the wilderness. The Lord gets ticked. And so Moses comes to the Lord. He says, hey, Lord, I mean, you need to back off a little bit. You know, I mean, these are your people. You know, you brought them out of Egypt. If you smoke them all down, because the Lord said, Moses, I'm taking them all out. And I'm going to start over with you. I've had enough with their, un their unbelief. They're complaining and grappling. And Moses says, whoa, <laughs> Lord, I mean, hang on a sec. If you do that, then all the people that know that saw you part the Red Sea, that they knew that you were with your people and brought quail down and manna down and a fire by day, you know, fire by night, cloud by day and all this stuff, they're going to think you didn't have the power to bring change to the people. So listen to this. Verse 20, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Not according to his word, according to Moses' word. He says, I can only do it, Moses, because you are saying what I said. Inflated faith says what God says. I want to read it again. Then the Lord said, I've pardoned according to your word. According to your word. According to your word. Verse 24, Numbers 14, 24. My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully, and I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Verse 26 through 28. Say to them, 
As I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. And he's talking about the children of Israel. I'm just kind of wrapping it up here. He's saying what, what they have been talking is what's going to happen. Joshua and Caleb, you're going over because you said what I said, and you're of a different spirit. Remember in John 6, 63, Jesus says, the words that I speak are spirit and life. And I, I want you to catch this right here. Whatever words you speak the most of, you take on the heart of where those words came from. Words have creative power. So if I'm saying what God says, then I take on the spirit that birthed the words. But if I'm always talking like the devil, those words are going to take on the heart, the character, the nature, the life of whatever those words are being spoken of. Words are spirit. He created heaven and earth with words. He didn't create them with Legos. I mean, thank God for Legos and Tonka toys and the little wooden log, Lincoln logs. You remember them when you were growing up? But he created with his words. So he's saying the words that I speak are spirit and life. He says Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. And because they had a different spirit, they're going into the promised land. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. The same spirit that Joshua and Caleb had, the same spirit that David had, the same spirit that Moses had, the same spirit that Jesus had. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, we believe and therefore we speak. If we want the same God that showed up for David, Moses, Noah, Abraham, Jesus himself to show up for us, we're going to do it the way that he says to do it. And inflated faith always says that I need a new Bible. <laughs> says what God says. Inflated faith says what God says, even when I don't feel like saying what God says. Even when the pressure is on and we say something that we shouldn't have said, we receive our forgiveness, and we get right back in, and we say what God says. If I want to have what God has promised, then it's important that I say what God says. I can't have what Jesus died to give me if I'm not willing to say what God says. Yes, if you say Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you'll be born again, and you'll be saved, and you'll spend eternity with God, but that's as far as you go until we start to get in agreement with what God has promised in every area of our life. See, we, we can all come up in this, right? Inflated faith says what God says. Say it, inflated faith, inflated faith says what God says. I want to pray over you. Father, I love you so much, and I'm just thankful for how good you are. I'm thankful for just the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Father, we come together in agreement. Heather and I set ourselves in agreement with every individual at the sound of my voice that the negative words spoken, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, in all of our lives, we command it to go void in Jesus' name. And we receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. And we start tonight saying what you said about ourselves, about our family, about our kids, about our finances, about our businesses, about our dreams, about every area of our life. Holy Spirit, help us 
Say what God says. And Father, as we do, Jesus, you said you're the apostle and high priest of our confession, and we're going to hold on to it until we see it manifest in the natural. So, Father, I speak health and healing. I speak deliverance. I speak wholeness. I speak the blessing. Father, I declare that every person at the sound of my voice that acts on this word, you watch over the word to perform it in our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.